Welcome to We'll Make a Disnerd Out of You, and I'm your resident Disney nerd, Tom. This is the podcast where myself and an array of fabulous guests will be exploring the world of Disney, and in particular, what makes Disney so special to us all. And this week, I am very excited to welcome back Holly and Adrian Walner. Good evening, guys. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm very, I'm very well, very well. Had a quite relaxed weekend. Yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been a nice one. It's been a nice one. Winding down for Christmas, which is good. How oh, about you? Cannot wait. Yeah, we we're actually funny enough. We're doing the same. So our um, theatre company that we run has um, is starting to wind down. We've only got a couple more clubs to go. Yeah, there's just two more clubs to go tomorrow, and then that's it until the eighth of yeah eighth of January. <sighs> So, Amazing. Yes, there will be Amazing. <laughs> there will be a drink or two in <laughs> <Yeah>. next weekend. <laughs> well, we've got we've got a well four and a half days of teaching. Yeah, and then that's it. Oh, Done for the couple of holidays. Very awesome. very excited. <laughs> very oh, excited. So, um, we've had another exciting Disney filled week, and mm-hmm. I hear you guys have um prepared some questions for me yes so when you're ready give me yes, your absolutely you now yes <laughs> okay so question one question one is there what do you have any like background music for this or... <laughs> no, I, no i don't oh okay low right budget. i'll just try me what's the vip vip treatment right <laughs> <laughs> right question one talk about vip treatment yeah, yeah. would you rather have fast passes to every single ride for a month or have membership to club 33 for a month so either fast passes for a month or club 33 for a month so i did a bit of research into this very quick research yeah and and it's a bit of a no-brainer really i mean if you get given a month's membership to Club 33, you'd go for it because um, <laughs> if listeners don't know what Club 33 is, it's um, an exclusive club um, at Disneyland. And I think it's at um, Disneyland, Disney World, mm-hmm. Shanghai and Tokyo. I don't think they have Club 33 at Paris, but I think they do have like an executives club yeah. at Paris. Um, but the benefits are amazing. It's have, like, you got, yeah. have you got reeled some of them off for us? I've got, I've got some the actual benefits here. So if you are a Club Thirty Three member, you get annual park park passes. Um, you get fifty single day admission tickets. Heck? So I think that's on top of you going in free free yourself. Yeah. Five private VIP tours per year. Um, set fast passes during your visit. So you get a fast pass. Yeah. They're like every ride. There we go. Um, <laughs> access to all of the exclusive lounges and restaurants. How many so are there? There's there's quite a few actually oh. that are like sort of hidden. Yeah. Um, like there's a, a good couple of sort of YouTube videos if you watch sort of like all the secret restaurants and things that you can book into. I mean, Paris and um, Walt, the they're sort of they're supposed to be the most exclusive restaurant it doesn't particularly have to have to be a member of a club but it's been closed for ages but um it was very expensive when it was open and it was like small amount of tables and i think you, it was sort of like you either get in there like a year in advance or you know oh just gosh. you have to 
like know someone to get booked in yeah um you then also get um exclusive access to club 33 merchandise <laughs> so which wow. would be literally yeah. flashing everywhere yeah, yeah. well here's my card <laughs> the fact is the fact is it's like club 33 like i know for a fact because i uh, this is where i have to admit something i haven't been a collector for the like haven't haven't collected any this year actually since moving but um i did how i have hundreds of pins like all the oh, really you're a pin collector. Oh, yeah when I was working in Florida, you know, I didn't get into this pin collecting thing, but there were so many other cast members. Do so they put them on their hats? No, 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 no. You have lanyards with you, for your with your cast member like ID badge. Mm. Um, you you have like whether you know you have your name badge and you have mm. on your name badge you have whether you can speak different languages and things like that. But then you have your lanyard to hold the name uh, to hold your ID. And that you're allowed to wear that around the park as a okay. cast member, um, and you, they have all the pins, and you can you can swap, can't you? That's it's yeah, like a, it's can. a whole big thing that it's, you swap pins. I have like I prefer like just because I'm a bit of a hoarder, not gonna lie. <laughs> um, I just love like there's a few like I'm very specific in what I collect, and uh-huh. so I love I've got like um, loads of Tower of Terror pins that have got yeah. like really cool like things like um that move on them and stuff and um i've also collected like all the related to my favorite film so aladdin and like a sort of genie pins and all those kind of things so um but yeah like i know for a fact like club 33 pins and things do go for quite a bit of money i imagine they do being quite expensive yeah so yeah um but then, out, out, out of interest, Tom, where do you keep your pins? So I, <laughs> it's a bit of a personal have, question, darling. <laughs> I have two lanyards. Ooh, um, two. I have two lanyards. I have my original lanyard, which I always wear when I go to Disney. Okay. And I also have a Tower of Terror lanyard with Tower of Terror pins on it. Okay. Um, and then I've also got like a whole book of pins as well. Mm. Um. Yeah, first time I've admitted that on air. I am a Disney <laughs> pin collector. Like, I can just imagine you with, like, if you go to Florida, having your white socks and sandals on. <laughs> with your, um, can with I your just high say, socks, uh, Adrian, can I just say something <laughs> here? That, this is coming from someone that goes tram spotting. <laughs> oh. Oh, you know, we were airing our dirty laundry tonight. We, we are airing our dirty right. laundry. Uh, I, a... I, I do have a little question, another question that's associated with this question. Right. Yeah. You mentioned about the VIP tours. Yeah. What does that involve? Does that do they take you behind don't the scenes know. when it's closed, or is it like I, you... imag- I imagine yeah. it's you know you 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 you'll get um sort of certain sort of access to parts of the park that you normally wouldn't, if that makes sense, and yeah, you would get. Of... Sorry, carry on, Tom. Yeah. Well, I imagine it's usually it's going to be someone who's going to like an executive that's going to sort of walk you around and give you certain access to things and mm-hmm. give you a little bit more information about stuff that you normally wouldn't get, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So the other, the last one that we didn't get to was um, a tour of the Disneyland Resort Dream Suite. <gasps> no. Oh, what the yeah. castle? Oh, I would. Oh, I would love. How to do you get? How do you go about staying in the you castle? Can't, you, you, it's not, you can't. Um, you can't. You can't. Well, who stays in it then? 
people win. They win. You yeah. get picked out from a crowd in Magic Kingdom, and, 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 it's, gone, and it's gone to like certain like sort of VIP. Yeah. Yeah. As well, or like but you can't um, pay to spend a night in there. You get picked. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is it does look amazing? It's so beautiful. Well, wasn't it? It was originally wasn't it originally built? I know we're completely digressing off of the original question, but wasn't the suite originally built for Walt Disney to stay in? Um, no, actually, was it not? It, I thought it was. So, you know, when you go into Main Street and you look to the right, and there's the fire station. Yeah. yeah. So Walt's like office and suite of rooms is above there and if you look oh. above the fire station there's an a light always on in the window oh that's nice and they, that's supposed to be you know because it's like a sort of memorial to Walt yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so yeah Amazing. and I think that's the same in all the parks there's like a fire station in every single main street so so yeah um so yeah a pool so yes, it definitely would be Club Thirty Three. Brilliant. Okay. 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 So question number two: If you could travel back in time and meet Mr. Walt Disney himself, what would you say, Tom? What would you ask him? Okay, so, uh, so ask him. Mm, okay. Well, I know what I, I know what I would say to him. I would say thank you. Yeah. Obviously, like I think. Um, and it's sort of going like Disney is an ever changing beast. And I think it's something that has been a massive part of my life and has been a huge part of my growing up. It's also um, sort of it allows a lot of people to express um, certain emotions, certain things that they probably wouldn't do in a, normally in life. And I think yeah. as, a, as an art um as all animation is it's it's ever changing and you know with the film that we're looking at this week um in particular it's it's ever progressing and and ever always allowing um sort of for new themes to be explored and new ideas yeah. and I think that is something that um I would just want to say thank you to him because he without his uh, inspiration and ambition like you know we wouldn't have had that that safe place to go to and be a part of does that make sense yeah it does it absolutely do you know it's funny because we we're watching i think when we were going to bed i think a couple of weeks ago we, there was a documentary that was just you know when you just switch on the telly and there was a documentary behind what's life wasn't there mm. on at the time and we just kind of kept it on because obviously disney is you know been a part of well, my life particularly um for a mm. while and so it was just so interesting seeing his just the way he worked like you know i i think he <laughs> i can't sort of describe the word i mean he he had uh, you know the word vision is always used isn't it with when it comes to to disney uh but he did he had a vision he knew exactly what he wanted to do and yeah. and, and he just didn't stop until it happened mm. well we know then we talked about but... with the mary yeah. poppins episode he he was so gone show that he was going to have that those rights and yeah. you know when he had an idea he pushed and he pushed and he pushed until he got it mm. may, may he may have been a hard man to work mm. with yeah but 
you know, he he had that ambition and he had, you know, certainly he is someone who should be looked on as an entrepreneur and someone who is oh, looked on as sure. someone to be, um, to look up to because mm. that ambition and drive is something that, you know, it's inspirational. Yeah, because he, he failed so many times at, yeah. at different points of his career. Well, um, certainly yeah. during, during the Second World War, the Disney... Um, Disney Studios were on the verge of collapse and yeah. um, you know it was the fact that they they result, resorted to just doing um, the collection of cartoons as their animated classics mm-hmm. but um, there were the three clear, clear, I can never say that word clear bros and mm-hmm. um, they you know all those kind of cartoons that actually they without that they would have they would have died the mm-hmm. studio would have gone and he, he, you know, he rode those storms and came out of it on top every yeah. single time. Um, so yes, there you go. That definitely, I would definitely be. It would be a thanks. I, I wonder though, you know, if you'd have spoken to him back, you know, back then, if he'd have known that it would have, would have morphed into what it is today. I wonder if you know. You say he had that. Vision. I actually don't think. I think he did. Yeah. I think he actually did. I think it, he he knew where this was heading. I think he he knew the potential, and I think that's what with people like Walt Disney. I think they you know they have that vision in order to to see see a future in something, and I think that's what he saw. But they um, always they always strived in the you know in the technology. If something new came out, they were the first to grasp it. You know whether yeah. it be Snow White you know, or, or Toy Story, like what we discussed last week, they were the first to pounce on it and just change, you know, the way we view cinema. Definitely. And, you know, even like we look look at Snow White and look at the way that the animation became so much more, it, had, it was so much more in depth that, you know, you would start with, they'd have the basic drawing and then they would like level it up using that camera system that mm. basically that you'd have the different backgrounds, the different foregrounds that they would put in different layers and then record from above so that it, it, it like created this like multi-level level textured kind of animation yeah. um and martin martin i always talk about um the different um sort of animation styles so as you go up into the 1950s and the 1960s you get the influence of mary blair who was a huge animator of the time and without her work you wouldn't have had it's a small world you wouldn't have had <laughs> um alice in wonderland and you know that very I'm, stark... I'm i'm laughing because you mentioned we wouldn't have it's a small world and i <laughs> i'm so gonna get completely hounded for saying this but i'm gonna say is that is is that a bad thing or oh i love i love it the small world i yeah, love, imagine I think... okay tom I'll, I'll put this to you imagine if you had to work a whole season on that ride the basics of that ride though if you look like so mary blair was someone who played around with the color palette and yeah. w- was always willing to um push um sort of everyone's ideal on art and 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 color and that's what you see through the ride of it's a small world yeah and you see i can that see in... that i can see that i absolutely appreciate that i really do it's just and, the music for me 
Yeah. I can't stand the music. <laughs> you need someone like Stormzy to remaster it or something. Then. <laughs> oh, I could even ignore that you just said that. I think. <laughs> I think right. <laughs> you can Let's edit that out. Moving on to the next question. Right, number three. All right then. Uh, okay, so if you were CEO of Disney, mm-hmm. what changes would you make to the parks and resorts? So I I would have more of a focus on um, shows and parades because mm-hmm. I feel like the the parades have changed considerably over the last few years and um, I do feel like I, this uh, Disney Disney Paris had a chance this year with their thirtieth anniversary to renew everything and I went the first time in two thousand sixteen to Paris and they still had the magic everywhere parade Um, and um, the next time we went the year after it changed to stars on parade but um, the stars on parade has existed since then and I just feel it feels a little bit at the moment within the parks that they're not investing as much in the creativity of those parades in particular Mm -hmm. the um, so they, I went sort of February 2000 and well, it must have been th- February 2019, I think, or was it 2018? 2018, 2019, and they had um princesses versus pirates. Oh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tiny parade, but my god, that parade was amazing! Like, the um, the music for it was so good, mm. so so good, and um, the whole concept, it was great. The actual show that happened in outside the castle was incredible. Yeah. was really, really good. And um, then they replaced it. So it only existed for like one or two seasons. Then they replaced it with um, the Frozen Parade. And I went with my mum just before COVID and, watched, and we saw the Frozen Parade. It was so unbelievably disappointing. Um, yeah. And... It was just like I, I, I do that. I'd seen a lot of the blueprints and I'd sort of been keeping an eye on sort of actually what was being created. What actually ended up being in the parade was like a, a damp squid compared compared to what <laughs> actually they were going to do. And yeah. it's, it was obvious that the, even then there was even before COVID they were struggling to invest in their parades. Um, and I, I would center. You know, we've had the era now of developing Star Wars and things like that through through the parks, and I would I would probably move some of that budgeting towards just improving those parades because I think they are such a big part of Disney and Disney Disney Paris. What are about? You know, it's their thirtieth anniversary in April, and they haven't changed the parade and fireworks. And it's like, oh, and I, I think part of this is because they can't afford it at the moment right. because of COVID. But um, it's just sad because it's like, you know, this is 30 years since you opened and this could have been a huge celebration. Yeah. Yeah. And it now, now really doesn't feel like a huge celebration. Um, and someone was telling me that the... Um, in California, the the change of the parade, like <laughs> all the floats have become a lot smaller, 
um they're run sort of almost animatronically now um and there it, it's not packing the punch that it used to so because so, yeah. i know um robert i he stepped down as ceo just pre-covid i think it was february yeah. that bob chepek is it chepek or chepek i can't remember no, yeah, but I mean, he took over um just before covid hit and I don't know. It might is you know. Is he trying to save? Is he trying to save the money here, or or what? From what I've I heard about him, he's not been the most popular guy. No, he really Disney. hasn't. Amongst sort of Disney fans, very often you see some quite scathing, yeah, um, Facebook posts about him, and you just think, oh, yeah, I would agree. I, th- I think there is some scrimping and saving. I mean, it needs to happen. Covid at the moment is is bad. It's huge. Well, um, is, and... they've, they've got to think about the, the the amount of you know the actual um, logistics as well, not just the the, the, the way it looks. Yeah. But they've got to think about the logistics of people cracking. You know, Covid is here to yeah, stay. It's numbers. You can only have certain amount of people in a park. And how are you going to control the amount of people going to see the parade? And my view on this, though, my view yeah. on it was that. Um, there's not a lot you can do about the parade, sadly. No. But I don't, I don't know whether it's the parades are always going to be hard because it, it goes through a large section of the park. Yeah. But I, I with the fireworks, I I feel the fireworks actually could have continued throughout COVID. Yeah. Because they they could have created a booking system. You're outside. They could have only allowed in a certain amount of people. You booked in beforehand um, and just people can then spread out. They can socially distance sure. in a large area yeah. and that it didn't happen. I was just like, oh, and, and I feel that, you know, if, if even if just one part of the Disney magic was still part of the parks, mm. um, I know they are the, the, the fireworks and things are coming back um yeah over the next few months but i just i just yeah i, I feel there was a few things that, that it's like let's just stop the fireworks because they obviously cost the most i feel that maybe it was also seen as a bit of a scrimping and saving kind of yeah move as well because out of all of you know they can put on um some of their live shows again but they can't put the fireworks on and i think i that's i think i would have preferred the fireworks over some of the live shows that they've put on yeah i mean so, yeah so you said about um parades and shows and is there anything else that you would potentially invest in in that um well the problem is at the moment and obviously this i know this feeds into a little bit into your other question later on it's it's difficult at the moment because obviously disney feel like they've invested in every single part of movie history currently yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know disney paris at the moment is it's gonna have the the fan, their fancy land their uh, magic kingdom they're gonna have their studio park but they're also then going to have their pixar land they're gonna have their arendelle they're gonna have their star wars land eventually they're gonna have yeah. their marvel campus so you know, what else at the moment is there to invest in it's, well, mm. does that does that lead? And I think that's a lovely uh, question. Yeah, <laughs> no, we didn't plan this at all. Right. Okay. Question four, Tom, you have been charged with creating a new Disney theme park mm. in Florida. 
what would it be and what would it include? So, okay, I'm going to go. I know this sort of exists in America, <clears throat> but I would really love, just not just within the parks, but in Disney as a whole, I would love Disney to go back to their focusing in on their tunes that made them who they are. And I feel that, you know, Mickey, Minnie, Daisy, Goofy, Chip and, Chip and Dale and all there and they are still there. But I do feel we've made a, a huge step away. Mm-hmm. They're tunes that we loved, as uh, you know, that we, even we were watching 20 years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we when we were kids, you had um, lots of sort of Saturday morning cartoons that came out from these tunes and from yeah. the characters that they'd created. You know, we had DuckTales, we had um, DuckTales, Hailspin, we had Chippendale Rescue Rangers, mm-hmm. um, Goof Troop, you know, all of these um, franchises that seem to have just, that Disney are not relying on. So uh, for me... I, I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan on of like what they were called the Disney Afternoon. So the Tailspin, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, yeah. uh, Gummy Bears, all of that kind of thing. I would love almost like for me, and this is like dream fantasy. Mm-hmm. I would like some kind of like 90s nostalgia kind of park that has Amazing. some on meet and greets with yeah. some of like rare meet and greets from the characters from like our childhood um and some like rides and um events and things and shows based upon those sort of Disney 90s cartoons and um, they tried it in the 90s they had um toontown you have to tell me because i've not been to any of the american oh, park yeah, they did have toontown because i remember that being there when i went it's a, it's had a lot of ba- basis on um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. There was the Who Framed Roger Rabbit ride. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I just feel that I would love some more stuff in the parks based on those characters and based on those cartoons mm-hmm. that were a big part of a lot of people's childhood. And I think yeah. there does seem to be a sort of stepping away from that and going towards... Star Wars and Marvel and yeah, so true because obviously you know Pips. I mean, maybe that's our responsibility, but Pips, our daughter, has sort of started out with obviously you know as we said last week with the with the classics, the yeah. you know the princesses and the evil villains and 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 things like that. And um, you know she's she's we we've sort of introduced her to Mickey Mouse and mm-hmm. Minnie Mouse, but she doesn't really know those sort of key original no because they get they're getting lost aren't they yeah but then you've got to ask yourself you know obviously disney have i imagine a huge (laughs) expensive sort of research team that are going out and doing an immense amount of they are going to have a problem in the next few years because the um rights and the the public ownership of mickey is going to come into the forefront in the next few years because it will be a hundred years since Mickey was created. So don't they have to like reinvent characters almost? So to no, be able to I get the 
I, this has never come so basically obviously when a song gets mm. to 100 years after it's been created mm. it then becomes public domain right. and the, there's no longer rights paid for it and all of that kind of thing but when it comes to Disney Disney have never had to deal with this they've not had any songs or any characters that have hit this but Mickey and Oswald the original one are, are actually now going to be coming up to that so who knows what's going to happen are yeah. we going to see like an explosion of Mickey stuff because everyone can grab hold of that animation and don't they don't have to pay Disney anymore, or are Disney going to somehow override this? Oh, as the I think very much the latter. I think the latter. I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine Disney that ever won't happening. let that happen. No, no. Yeah. But no. yeah, that's what I'd want because I, I do like when with the parks. I do actually going to see Mickey is such a huge thing and. Like every time that I've gone to meet Mickey, it is just so amazing, and it's yeah. just so much fun. And like, yeah, I just I think there does need to be a little bit of going back to that and a, a new kind of Toontown to kind of park based on some of the cartoons that we grew up with. Some of the cartoons, even going back to the nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, I think would be amazing. Just well, based I, on that, I might be talking a bit of. Of BS here, but I swear there was talk ages ago about there potentially being a villains um, oh, what, in area Florida. In, D- in Florida. There was, there were plans. There were plans for yeah, that. I yeah, I the villains. Yeah, I mean, I also I was thinking about the another one that came to mind was something to do with the villains. I mean, but Halloween is such an important part of Disney. Yeah, and such an important part of the Disney calendar that I think if you had a villains park that was there all year round it would dilute that and yeah. i think it's such a special time of year when you go to disney that it's like actually that's when the villains come out and that's when you get the villain parade and you get mm. and it, it's yeah it's i think way. it would yeah, yeah i think it would dilute that a little bit oh yeah interesting right final question the last question is where do you see the disney brand in 50 years from now so I think it's still going to exist. I, for starters, I don't think it's going to be a brand that is going to disappear. Um, and I think that is because Disney do know how to reinvent themselves. Mm. But the thing that I do see happening is that I think there is, I do wonder whether there's going to be a need to go back to the old-fashioned animation, I wonder. Yeah. Because we've got the animation we have now is is great, but at some point it's going to stop being animation. Because yeah, I agree. How you far is it going to go before you know, it actually looks what, like real life? Yeah, yeah, and you know, Martin said something today that really interested me, intrigued me. And it was like he said their mouths look like the characters from Wallace and Gromit, and when we were watching Luca, and I was like, Do yeah. You know yeah, funny enough you say that because I was only saying this to AD, like the I'm sure we'll discuss that yeah. <laughs> after the break. But yeah, I was only saying that about when we were watching Luca the other day and how the, the, the some of the background stuff looked so real mm. that I feel they had the water. to the water yeah, we'll be yeah, yeah. Oh but then God. so it's I feel felt- how yes, this is still animation. How amazing is that? that it looks I so well. I, I, I same... actually thought they'd put animation on top of yeah. some sort of real. Yeah. So if yeah. you fast forward, like you know, the, if you fast forward fifty years, it's just going to be 
well, there's going to be no difference. You're going to be able to see the yeah. difference, yeah. Is there going to be a need and a hunger to go back to basics? And I, I think there will be. I, think I feel yeah. there needs to be, but for, for kids' sakes, like it just, you know, it's it's a kid's sort of um, introduction to, uh, as you say, Tom, art. And now, obviously, it's that time again. It's that we, every two weeks we have um, a time for my guests to um, challenge me on my Disney knowledge. And I hear you have been preparing five quick fire <laughs> questions to try yes. and catch me out. Now, the Disney crown, I think I'm losing at the moment. So, um, yeah, when you're ready, go for it. Okay. So, question number one bear with me just gonna bring him up my phone okay so what disney movie received the first ever oscar nomination in the company's entire history first oscar was that for animation of like for feature film or is it just a just an oscar animation oscar nomination feature film the feature film um i think it's snow white or it's either Snow White or it's Beauty and the Beast. Need an answer, Tom. Okay, I'm going to go for Beauty and the Beast. Because you're saying feature film, I'm going for Beauty and the Beast. You are correct. Well done. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, question number two. What were the names of Ursula's two pet eels? Um, Blotsam and Jetsam. Oh, well done, Tom. Well done. Okay. Right, I'm going to go for another one. Um, let's have a look. Okay, we're going to make these hard now. How many tentacles did Dory's octopus friend have in the movie Finding Dory? Seven. Oh, Damn it. <laughs> right. Okay. Do you know why? Why? Because I think it was it's something to do with like this really hard to um animate eight tentacles oh, so there was, there's this thing if you watch about little mermaid there it's it's to do with the movement of eight tentacles and so, uh, yeah have a look it's all about uh, they talk about it when they did ursula because she only has seven tentacles so there you go. there's a bit of trivia for you right mm-hmm. come on okay so question is number four isn't it? who was the only um, who is the lead character, animated character? Um, the lead character, never to speak. So an animated character who is the lead role but doesn't have any lines. Dumbo. <laughs> right, you choose the last one. Okay, I'll choose the last one. You're annihilating us, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably know this one anyway. Yes. Okay, so this is question five. Disney films often use two different talents for speaking and singing voices. Who was one of the few prominent actors to perform as both the speaking and singing voice of their Disney character? So, I know Jodie Benson. We're going. I'm I'm gonna. (laughs) I'm gonna make it so that it's more specific. Male. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, 
Now, did he do Hercules? I'm going to say... I'm going on a bit of a whim here. Is it Roger Bart who played Hercules? I can't remember whether... I know he sung... The hit that like did his songs, but I can't remember whether he voiced him. It's Mel Gibson. In... Oh, really? Yes. Can can you? When now having heard the name, do you know? He what was. He, yeah, he was um, John Smith in Peg Hunters. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it was only about. I was only about a year out. You know, wasn't too bad. Wasn't too bad. I tell you what, I was only about a year out in film wise because Hercules was the next one after Pocahontas. So yeah, you know, not bad. I tell you, he's did Tom's Disney knowledge. Yeah, there's a there's awesome. a bonus question. Oh, it was there. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Okay, in numerous Disney Pixar films, a yellow ball with one blue stripe and a red star makes an appearance. What is the ball's name? Oh God. Um. No, Luxo Junior is the name of the lamp. Um, I don't know. Tell me. You're so close. You were so close. The Luxo Ball. Is it the Luxo Ball? Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, I'm trying to. Make himself feel <laughs> well, the last, the last episode before our Christmas specials, I have still got the Disney crown. I'm very happy. <laughs> there you go. I'm very, very happy. Very <laughs> I applaud you. I applaud Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Right. So after the break, we are going to look into this week's film, which I'm very excited about, as I am every week. Um, this is a very, very current film. Um, only came out in the summer. Um, and that is Luca. Um, and so we'll be discussing that after the break. I'll awesome. see you in a bit. If you want to get in touch with us at We're Make a Disney Nerd Out of You and tell us about your Disney, then follow us on Instagram at Disney underscore nerd underscore podcast. Or you can email us at disnerdpod at gmail.com. Now back to the magic. And welcome back. Um, and this week we are looking into the 2021 summer Pixar release, which was Luca. Mm -hmm. uh, now, this was your first time watching this, wasn't it? It was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what was your first impression of this film? I well, I don't know about you. But I thought it was a really sweet family film. Um, <laughs> I thought it, you know, I'm sure we'll sort of talk about what some sort of like underlying tones there. Mm. Um, but I, I think, you know, from the outset, you know, just watching it first time around, I think it was just a really, really sweet. It reminded me of Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid, yeah. Quite yeah. a lot. It's, def it's definitely got lots of echoes to Little Mermaid, you know, yeah. dre dreaming of a life that's sort of out of reach. Of yeah. Agonist. Um, and, you know, even down to this, the, the idea of collecting human artifacts. Um, well, that was the, at the very beginning, wasn't it? Yeah. I was like, Hang on, have we, have we gone back to nineteen ninety? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a stunning film. I think. Yeah, it took um, Martin and I off guard really when yeah. this came out, um, because obviously as a Disney Plus subscriber, no, it, it's <laughs> like you know, it's. I, when this came out, it was like I need to 
see this film because I've always been a big Pixar fan and I've always watched the Pixar when it came out. This is the first one, obviously, that the oh sorry soul was the first one that didn't come out at the cinema Mm -hmm. um and then this was obviously the second one that um hasn't come out at the cinema and it's just been a on a a release on disney plus um but yeah we've just the pair of us have just fallen in love with this film Mm -hmm. Um, you know what with a with a pixar film it just doesn't disappoint no you know i've never seen a pixar film where i've left it going that's a bit pants. I've, I've never come across that. It's always been, you know, fantastic. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. It's for me, I, I, Pixar just have this way of surprising you and completely giving you the unexpected. And I think they've done that from day one and they're mm-hmm. continuing doing that, you know, what is it, nearly 30 years onwards like it's from creating feature films it's such a huge journey they've made and you know if we if we look at you know what was quite key is that last week we watched the first Pixar feature film Mm -hmm. and this week we've watched their most current feature film and I think if we look at it in that space that you know even down to looking at the animation and the development of the imagination the animation Mm -hmm. is huge absolutely yeah and yeah. um, and just shows pixar's journey really yeah um so do you guys know much about the origins of this film well it's funny because when when we'd watched it it's you just kind of want to because the imagery the I, I, the animation of whatever you call it was just so wonderful so colorful and um so interesting you kind of just want to know more don't you about Mm. how how it came about um and yeah I mean it's it's something that I was sort of looking into but what did you sort of find out so I um it was really I spent you know some time in um, researching the film this week because um obviously I watched it the summer um and then this was sort of mine and Martin's sort of third viewing of the film and um, I spent some time watching some stuff on YouTube and just having a bit of a, a, an old Google. Um, obviously, Enrico and Casarosa, um, the director, is Italian. Um, and um, he used a lot of his childhood on the Italian Riviera and particularly holidaying in the Italian Riviera yeah. as his inspiration. Um, and he his vision was um wanting to create that first film of italian heritage now for disney and pixar Mm. this is the first time that we have got a film that uses italian heritage as its basis but it's not um i'm trying to think of a word it's not What's the word like? Not not patronizing. That's not no. It's not. Word. It's, you not know what I mean? it's not. Yes, that's it. It's not that. It's it's so it it feels so authentic. I think that's mm. where I'm trying to go. Yeah. So the you know you go back to Lady the Tramp and you've got the Italian chef in yes, exactly. Lady the Tramp yeah. and it's almost yeah. offensive. You know. Yeah. This, yeah. Um, but that's why this film film is so important, and you know the, the, it is focusing itself on. Um, on true Italian heritage. And actually something that I found out, which was really interesting is that, um, so Enrico and Casarosa's uh, original 
take on this film was looking at um, the legends of the Italian Riviera and the Italian seaside and like their myths and and what have you yeah yeah so he he particularly looked at the history of sea dragons in Italy Mm -hmm. um and I can't I think it's San Frutosa which is an abbey on the French Riviera Mm -hmm. has a particular myth about a sea dragon that lived Mm -hmm. on its coast of this of this abbey um and it's and there he they looked into the history of this myth and then they also looked into um the map the maps of like the 16th and 17th century um italy and into the really old maps and the, the fact that you know in the sea they created they drew pictures of sea monsters um mm-hmm. within the maps and they actually became um the inspiration for the look of Luca oh, and his parents okay. and if you look at them sort of the way where their fins are and like the tails and yeah. all of those things are actually yeah you're like wow okay so it is actually like looking at a medieval sea monster yeah I and- was thinking that that something that that surprised me when I when I when we we first started watching it at the very beginning that the way that, that they looked, like the key characters, you know, the, the main protagonists, mm. like, they they were very different looking than um, other animations that Pixar have made. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they, it was well, they're, very, they're, very they're not style. Little Mermaid. They're not no. the mermaids of Little Mermaid, are they? They are... No. They're different. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, they, Enrico, basically, when I was watching the, the this um, documentary, was basically saying that he was... Um, he wanted... They wanted to create these sea monsters and they took their inspiration. But eventually these sea monsters became very distracting from the theme and yeah. that they wanted to focus on. And they did tone them down. But you still have that element of the, those mythical creatures from the Italian heritage, which is so important because it just it shows how much of that heritage is layered into this film. Yeah. Um, even up to vespers which are <laughs> a much more modern um heritage uh from sort of from from italian culture you know mm-hmm. the idea i think everyone has that idea of a sunny um italian riviera town by the sea someone riding around on a vesper with an ice cream <laughs> in their hand you know it's like that whole like italian look is yeah. a vesper for us i think um so yeah the the other thing that um, Enrico wanted to um, focus on here was uh, was friendship, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in particular, he took a lot of inspiration from a friendship he had as a child, mm. which helped him to come out of his shell yeah. and helped him to find a way to grow up and to mature. Um, and that's what we see. And I think... Um, I'm going to sort of segue into um, the theme here. So, Mm. um, you know, it's almost like this film for me, and I'm sure it does for lots of people, it takes you back to being 13 years old. It takes you back. Yeah, it's that escapism. Yeah, it takes you back to that pre-teen period in your life when you're, when which is an awkward time Mm -hmm. when you don't know who you are and you don't have, you're developing and understanding your identity 
but you don't yeah. feel right in your own skin. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also that that bit of sort of, you know, that bit of freedom, you know, that first mm. bit of freedom that you have and, you know, your parents are sort of worrying and, you know, they've Completely. got to say again. Completely, it is completely that that you know you yeah. you have this idea of um, you're developing an understanding your independence. Mm. You're developing an understanding who what your identity is within that independence, mm. and it's actually when when those two things are there, it's actually really hard to actually finally sort of find that person who you are. And mm-hmm. You've got to, you've got to do that within all of that, and I think. He Enrico really wanted to get that feeling from this film, but obviously, what that has created and what has then spawned on from this is um, this sort of idea that you know the LGBTQ plus community have actually Mm -hmm. really latched onto this film. Yeah, Um, and I know as as a queer person that this is a really important film and a really important step for um for Disney to make and whether this the original film is just about finding someone who allows you to come out of your shell Mm -hmm. which Luco does with Alberta Alberto sorry um he you know it deals with that confusing challenge in time and not identifying with yourself you know yeah. who you, what you're, what you are at that point. You inside, you don't identify with that, um, and just not being able to express who you truly are, mm-hmm. and you know it comes on for two levels. It comes from that friendship and having almost like um, that an an elder mm. that you're looking up to that to un- to help you and guide you and understand who you are, but also you have the actual really blatantly obvious one you know where it's like you're they're hiding under human skin um to hide their true identity and I think you know the LGBTQ community have really latched onto it because of this and I think it's it it speaks to everyone on those levels Mm -hmm. but I think is very strongly speaking to the queer community and I think that is something that um, I know Martin and I really have latched onto with this film. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to go to any community, really. You know, 13-year-old me definitely didn't know who I was. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. But don't you think it's a shame that it, you know, it didn't have that kind of um, distribution that it would have got if it was at the cinema? And I yeah. Think, you know, because if I'm being perfectly frank with you, if you, you know, I from you know last week i hadn't heard of luca um, yeah and i think that's mainly down to the fact that it wasn't advertised on tv it wasn't you know it wasn't at the cinema it wasn't a big thing no and i i think it's it's for two reasons obviously covid um but i think if it had come out sort of now it would have had a cinema release and i, yeah. I wonder wonder how much of that release how you know what how different that release would have been um I do think it has had it's had a positive feedback and, and I think there there are pockets it's not Pixar's most popular film definitely not but I do think 
um it has found its audience yeah. and i think it will grow in time i think it mm. you know it, it might be a, it's a slow things. burner yeah maybe i think it's one of those things that i think anyone can just sort of pick it up and yeah and watch and, and feel sort of moved by it yeah it's, it's seek, seeking acceptance really isn't it tom it is the, and the, the i think thing behind it what an amazing film to be you know we're, we're talking about technology now that we've got got at our fingertips you know we can watch these films whenever we want it's not like when we were younger you had to buy the, the video if you didn't have the video you didn't watch that film exactly you know, it, it, whereas lot millions of children have this at their fingertips now and yeah. can watch this film and for me that's amazing because yeah we didn't have that as children we didn't have that as a as a sort of a right to really to be able to watch something like this and mm. you know I know 13 year old me would watch this and sort of go I, I probably wouldn't have made the connection completely but I would have gone okay that's someone who like me who's is struggling to find their identity mm-hmm. and I would have made some kind of, and if I'd had that how amazing yeah would that have been as a as a yeah. almost like a, there are other people in the world I'm not the only person I think yeah that's yeah. what's so important about this film. So, so important. Yeah. And um, did you notice the reference to Toy Story? Did you did you spot it? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. So you were talking about, well, you were you mentioned about Pizza Express last week. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> pizza <laughs> Planet. Pizza Planet. <laughs> um, there was a Pizza Planet truck. I noticed it. Was yeah. Uh, it was. Where was yeah. it? Where was it? Was, it? So the triathlon, when um, Urkel was chasing them down the hill. Yeah. Um, with his uh, with his spear, he um yeah you saw it just in the background. You yeah uh-huh. yeah. I have to go back and have a look. Yeah, and it's in I... every single one. Yeah. <laughs> I found out um that Sasha Baron Cohen was in it for a very very small amount of the film. He was the one who really lived really in the depths of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- Luca's uncle is it Ugo? Oh, the creepiest character. Yeah. Yeah. What an amazing voice though. The voiceover for that was great. Yeah, yeah. I'm just also quickly googling uh-huh. who John Ratzenberger plays. Oh, oh my film. Gosh. What was John? So he was. Oh no! Oh wow! He's not in it. He's not in it. It's the only the second time he's not been in a Pixar film. What was he? What was the other film he wasn't in? Um, hang on. Um films he's not been in um let's have a look it is uh, he has not been in luca and doesn't say it says there there is i know there's another one oh, it might be ratatouille i think which would be quite interesting because it's the two films that um are basically uh, of different cultures, aren't they? They're different of, yeah. of like French culture and Italian culture. I will have a look at that. I'm probably wrong. Ah, he's not in Seoul. Okay. I may be wrong, I may have got that completely wrong. He's not in Seoul, which is like would say recent films. Then, yeah. So I wonder. Oh, yeah. So John Ratzenberger in in Pixar films. Oh, there we are. Uh, okay. Maybe. 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 Um. Maybe he's given up. 
which is sad. But yeah, no, he's, he's probably he's retired, not... guys. You know, I'm sure he's got a bit. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably, probably. So, um, so yeah, obviously that that for me is why it's such such an important film. Yeah. Um, you know, the the whole idea of acceptance and and developing and understanding your identity. Is and, that? You know, they... Sorry, carry on. No, you carry on. You carry on. No, I was just saying, is that why you chose that film this week? Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, it has very, very quickly become part of my Disney. Yeah. And I, as soon as I watched this, I, I, everyone who I saw was like, "You've got to watch Luca. You need to go and watch Luca. Go and watch Luca." It was like <laughs> anyone who I, I could talk to was like, "You need to go and watch Luca," um, and. You know, even just down to this whole idea that they call themselves underdogs. Um, and Martin and I have always said, like, you know, when you're at school, it's hard to find your place anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you have anything against you, so, you know, your body image or mm-hmm. um, your sexuality or, um, you know, anything that gives you a mark, it then becomes ten like harder by tenfold. You know, it's doubly hard to actually get on at school and find that identity. So don't um, you think there could be a sequel? Wouldn't it be lovely for him to, you know, experience that well, I, sequel? Well, I, I disagree. I I personally think it's this story's been told. Mm. I, th- I think this story's now been told. I think it would be quite disappointing if there'd been a sequel because mm. I think, you know, Luca has gone on and he has found his place in the world. Yeah, it's that um, journey. They've, they've, they've communicated that journey, you know, yeah. um, and, and move on mm. sort of thing. Yeah, Completely, completely. And the thing that, you know, Martin and I were talking at the end that, you know, there's, um, as a as sort of a, an LGBT person, that you always have someone in your family who always knows. So I came out to my nan, mm-hmm. um, I it took me. I mean, my, I mean, you guys have met my nan. Um, she is like the matriarch of our family, and Aww. it was like that whole thing that sort of coming out to her was a huge, huge thing. It was a massive barrier to get over. Yeah. And when I actually did did it, it was like a complete disappointment because my nan went, <laughs> oh, "Okay, what's it, what's his name?" And I was like, "Oh, it, <laughs> it's Martin." And he's, like, he's like well I knew <laughs> just like okay Nan and oh. I, I took I took some sort of like association with the the grandmother in this yeah. in oh this I film. loved I loved oh, grand, yeah. the grandmother I really I loved her little sneaky you know like when he snuck out and she knew and she yes. just had that little <laughs> that knowing look so yeah, I, I mean, I love the, the grandma and her name's Grandma um, Paguro okay. um, and I absolutely love her. She's such a good character. She's brilliant. Um, my favourite moment, and the bit we watched it this evening, and both Martin and I looked at each other and we were crying. This film always makes us cry. But yeah. the grandmother says the quote, some people, they'll never accept him, but some will. And he seems to know how to find the good find ones. It. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I just, it's just, I think for, for us as queer people but it's actually like for us it's like you do find eventually you do find those your your people you do find the good ones and I think 
it was such an important message because I think you spend, I know I spent a lot of my teenage years just going, do you know what? I'm in a friendship group here, but I don't fit in with them. <laughs> this is yeah. like, I, I'm not, this doesn't feel quite right. But it wasn't until I made that step to my left college, left school and I went to college and obviously then university where I met you guys that you do meet the good ones. You do meet your people. And I think mm-hmm. you sort of, it's so amazing to have that message mm-hmm. portrayed in a film that that you will find those good ones. Yeah. And it's funny you, you should say, you sort of like relate it back to your sort of, your story, your life, because mm. those things happened when you stepped out of your comfort zone when you yeah. left school and you went okay what am I going to do with my life all right I'm gonna step this way and I'm gonna do things that perhaps you know a little bit scary um and it's it's the same I think that's probably why you relate so much to the film because you know it's Luca is is befriended this 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 guy this other guy and and who's like the, the, almost like the complete opposite to him you know mm-hmm. and he's he's allowing Luca for the first time to actually just step outside his comfort zone and and see who he really is try, try things out you know and also um, obviously you know really when you look back like how this is quite a unifying theme that goes through so many of Disney's films mm. so you know, even to like Little Mermaid you know when she was allowed to have her comfort go out of her comfort zone she found out she watched in her head she is human she wants mm-hmm. to be human she was allowed to make that step mm-hmm. um and then you know Beauty and the Beast Belle were, went out of her comfort zone of her village where she knew she didn't fit it in fit it in and then she went to the castle and where she you know well, she was forced to the castle but she was in the castle and where she was then discovered her love and discovered actually who she wanted to be and I think you know with all of, it is a unifying theme yeah it's a running theme I think that's what but I mean it's they have to their stories have to uh, relate to other people's lives don't they otherwise mm. they wouldn't be so successful so I think that's that must be the the key really yeah and I think you know with the grandmother we've said it already but she's always knowing she's always knowing that what this boy is heading towards um but it's you know has accepted him and is allowing them to move on does that make sense and allow and allowing and just sort of going well this is who they is I'm just going to let them discover this for themselves Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to allow them to do this to to be able to discover it and I think everyone has that in their lives Mm -hmm. you know they I my parents were very accepting and very you know of anything that I did and I think you know I know people that his parents just were like no you're going on this direction because that's yeah. what we want and you know very often in those situations those people end up rebelling and and I think you know my my parents were always open for whatever direction they want I want to take my life in yeah. Um, yeah. and I think you know that's that's incredibly important and that's what the grandmother's doing and sadly the parents haven't quite got there yet but yeah. you know that that I think that it's hard is, Maybe mm. it's, it's harder. I think as parents now. I mean, obviously she's only three. Yeah. But I can just imagine when she's, you know, we're kind of, you know, letting go a little bit, dreading time, that day. You know, yeah. so I think it's easier. I think as a grandparent because they've been through it. They know they've come out the other side and they know what it's like. You know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. So, um, an interesting fact. Um, have you um, heard of um, an animation company called Studio Ghibli? No, no not at all. No, no. idea. So Studio Ghibli are the best way to explain them. They're like the Disney of like the anime um, Japanese oh, okay. anime world. Yeah. Um, and um, have you heard of the film Howl's Moving Castle? No. Um, uh, Castle in the Sky. Um, <laughs> no. Think Spirited Away. Spirited Away. You may have heard of Spirit Away. Spirit Away was a huge film. A huge film. I might be thinking of something completely different, but has it got anything to do with a horse or anything? No, that's... No. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's Black Beauty. (laughs) So, Studio Ghibli is a huge animation studio in Japan. Okay. Um, And um, Enrico um, is actually a huge fan of Studio Ghibli and so the name of the town was um, actually um, as like a sort of a bit of a nod to Studio Ghibli. So one of Studio Ghibli's films was Porco Rosso. Oh. Um, it's called Porto Rosso. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't know that until um, Martin told me this evening. So actually, it's one of Martin's facts, not one of mine. Oh. So, well done, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, really, really interesting actually. And it's such a nice to see a little bit of a um a tie-in between these two huge giant animation studios. Um, yeah. You so kind of wonder really then, are they, you know, is there something will they be will they ever work together maybe in no, the I don't, you don't the, think the animation styles are so different, so so different. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I I would highly recommend. Like Martin has got me into Studio Ghibli stuff more because he's a quite a big fan of anime and manga, and um, and I I had watched a few of them um, before I met him, and uh, I love. There's a beautiful, beautiful film called Castle in the Sky. Okay. Um, you just sort of almost have to accept um, the fantasy element of these films. They are completely taken out of reality a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of them um but just the animation style and the storylines are so stunning and i think you know sadly so i always feel like a bit of a, a traitor talking about another kind of animation <laughs> but, um, just just beautiful and i would highly recommend um watching the first one i got into was castle in the sky and it is a beautiful film okay. um, but you know they they um to Ghibli actually do have like you know they say that they are the Disney of the of the Japanese uh, of J- of Japan and wow. you know, certainly a lot of their influence comes from sort of the early Disney and um, yeah. sort of films and things you know like it's it's a it's such an important tie-in and I think that's you know I just thought it was a great fact. Amazing. Um, so yeah, um, so with what out of this film, what particularly, what point of this film um, would you say is your favourite? I don't know. It, 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 I, I, I must admit, when you when you when you were talking about the grandmother, that was my favourite character. I think not okay. that she came in. Do you know? And I, I, I know you know not a lot of people would say 
something like that, you know, a, a, such a, a, a character that has such a small part in the film. It stood out for you. But it stood out. Oh, for me, it was when mm. Luca first arrived on shore and it was just his, yes. you know, the, the basics of walking. Yeah. I just yeah. hilarious. You know, I love the way you described that Alberti described it. It's like, yeah, as if you're about to fall down. And you yeah. fall, you don't quite fall. You stop yourself before you fall. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and I was sort of thinking, it's like, actually, walking is that. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> actually, yeah. yeah. Walking is that. What was yours? I, I, I would agree with Adrian. I love that first moment when he's sort of discovering um, these new things for the first time. And I think it, sort of leading on to that is bit when they're first in the ruins and of like the, t- the tower ruins on the island. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really must go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go home um, because my parents are going to be worried about where I am. And then it says like one hour later. Yeah, yeah. I really must go home. And, and then <laughs> right, I'm going to pack up and go home now. Yeah. And I, I just was like, oh, OK, I was I was a child that grew up on um, an ex-council estate. And yeah. I remember that feeling as a child of um, oh, really, I should go home. I really don't want to. Yeah. I really want to sit here and just carry on playing. I, I still want to, like, you know, in in all of that part of developing and growing up and you, just the experiences I had with my friends where I lived is huge. And it's like, um, you know, you're having, it's like you say, well, my parents are going to be calling for me in a minute. Do you know what? I'm just going to play this game. I'm going to go and hide somewhere until I can't hear them. That was and like then the worst like... part, wasn't it? Of being called in before, but, before yeah, everyone else. Yeah. But Alberto was like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Like, yeah. no, full world, he wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I did, I did love it. That... And the other moment that I loved in this film is right at the end when they've been revealed as sea monsters. And you, the old lady couple with the umbrellas when they yeah. get yeah. Yeah. Down, they turn into sea monsters and you're like, yes, they've been living like they've, they've been yeah. find that because the boys have done discovered their identity, they've been able to find their identity. And I, I loved that moment. But, you know, so you think, but you look into that and you just think, how, but also how sad, like they're elderly. So how mm. long have they been living, living there, there in, you know, and not yeah. showing their real identity as well. It's yeah, it's pretty deep actually. I think that's, you know, that was another moment really that um, struck up with the, the LGBT community that it's like, actually, wow, you know, the the, the freedoms that we have now mm. has meant that actually people who could have come out a long time ago have only yeah. just been able to come out. And mm. um, but, you know, how amazing still that they have the courage in order to do that. And I just, I just love that moment. It was yeah, so it was lovely. Wonderful. Yeah. Would it be a film you would sit with, um, Pips with oh, her sure. and uh, would you would this be a film that you would watch with with Pippa? Oh, absolutely, yes. without absolutely. doubt. I think obviously at her age, you know, these sort of underlying themes and what have you, are, are it goes over her head, head but, but in terms mm. of the colors oh, and the yeah. you know, the animation in general, and, and the you know, and also, and there's, I, there's quite a few funny moments. Well, but also, um, just getting sort of you know, I, I know it's it's not hugely um full of uh, Italian sort of vocabulary and what have you, but just getting those sort of, sort of tidbits of Italian um phrases and what have you, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, well, the what was quite key about this film is that I think um, the production team that wanted to create this idea of they wanted to transport the audience to the Italian Riviera. Yeah. And I think they did that. 
Oh, for Thank sure. Like, yes. particularly um, Without the, 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 the background. I mean, I, I, I myself have been sort of lucky when I worked on the cruise ships to sort of spend, a, you know, a good few months uh, going around the Med. And we, we mm. spent a lot of, I spent a lot of my time um, uh, off, off ship, off board. Um, in in sort of uh, lots of different, very very different Italian towns and villages and obviously yeah. ports and what have you. So it just it was that that when I said it sort of the beginning of this sort of podcast, it just you know just to, to feel that it was so authentic mm. that they'd obviously gone to you know to I I don't as you say that the director's hometown and in local uh, local towns mm. and it actually taken um inspiration for the artwork I, I imagine yeah there was they actually took a research team out there mm. before animating and I think so key because it, it was just so realistic and yeah, yeah. just I, I I adore this film I'm glad you know I've been able to pass that on to you thank and you because you. you know what generally we we wouldn't have come across it we? not being Disney plus subscribers <laughs> uh, <laughs> we wouldn't have come across that so well I'm just much. so kind I'm handing my Disney Plus over to you. For you know what, Tom? That is immensely. He's going to be changing the password tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yes. So, thank you. I'm so glad you've enjoyed this film. Um, oh, brilliant. We, um, obviously, before we go, um, is there anything you would like to plug? Um, oh, are we allowed? Can we do that? Yeah. Of course you can. Oh, amazing. Well, as um, you know, your listeners will know from the past couple of weeks, we we met you, Tom, didn't we, at university? Mm-hmm. Um, and we met, uh, Asia and I met at the same university as well. And um, through different, you know, different jobs and traveling abroad, um, we realized that we wanted to work together. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> call us crazy. <laughs> Get married, work together, have a kid, all of that. And basically, we uh, created eight years ago, we created a company called Big Mouth Theatre. And uh, unlike um, some other stage schools and uh, drama activity providers out there, um, we really focus on using drama as a tool to um, build uh, really what we've been talking about this whole podcast, actually, uh, to build young children and young people's confidence in in, uh, being able to embrace who they are, embrace their individuality, um, you know, come into our sessions feeling good about themselves and about life and and, and just leaving with a smile and and realising that, you know, we're, we're there for them. I think that's that's exactly what we've created over the past eight years. And, you know, COVID's been... <laughs> <laughs> as it has as it has for everyone out there has been very very difficult um mm. and um but you know we're, we're getting through it um and luckily um we've we've you know we've we've, we've got some, you know loyal wonderful customers mm. and um yeah we're we're, we're just uh, hoping that the next sort of couple of years will really sort of uh be good. Be yeah, good we, just, we just hope COVID. <laughs> where, where about, kind of just where about you based? You based? So, you're based in Southampton, aren't you? Yeah, yeah so we're based. Southampton. Yeah, we're based in Southampton, and we have um, interact sessions, which is our Saturday um, Saturday sessions at the New Forest. Um, we have them in Eastleigh, and we're also going to be opening one in Fareham mm-hmm. um, in oh, March cool. as well. Yeah. So, um, and then the plan is um, in a few years' time. Um, we plan to um, hopefully franchise and grow um, and make it more national. 
Wow, that's yeah. very, very <laughs> that's the plan. There are some big plans. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> very exciting. Well, yeah. thank you guys for um being my guests. Oh, no, um, thank you. No, thank you. you know what? We've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been we? a right yeah. girl, yeah. isn't it? It's been brilliant. <laughs> so over the next couple of weeks for our listeners, um, we lead up to Christmas um, to help destroy the COVID blues. And <laughs> um, we are going to be looking at two very, very exciting Christmas films. Very exciting. Um, and um, I'm very I'm going to announce the first one. So this is a big film for me and very Christmas related um, is the first one that we're going to be looking at next week is going to be Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, so yeah, very excited. And I will be joined by some um, past get uh, Disney guests. So please tune in to listen. Um, so thank you very much, guys. I will see you soon.